0: I was ready to act. It was time I tried to actually do something. I packed a rucksack with snacks, a cheap replacement phone, a torch, a notebook, and anything else I could think of. I felt like a a little kid packing to go camping. I woke early on a Saturday, gave Harris a hug, and headed out the door. It was finally opening easily again. It looked like Francis was relaxing a bit more now. Outside it was cold with frost sparkling on the ground. October was halfway over already, and winter's chill was closing in. I had done some more research, and had chosen a location that was open and large enough that the pigeons might frequent it, and yet had a high chance of other ghosts. Glasgow Green, Glasgow's oldest park. I drove along the north side of the city, heading west to avoid city centre traffic and parked in a side street near the People's Palace. Then I changed into my walking boots, stuck on some gloves, and headed out. Leaving the car, I felt like for the first time I was making a move without reacting to something else. It didn't take too long for the supernatural to make an appearance. I guess it was now just an inevitable part of my everyday life. Was I some kind of ghost magnet now? Or just a good source of entertainment? Or had they been here all along and I just couldn't see them before? I went through the gate and down a path onto the wide lawns that gave the park its name. I headed west towards the People's Palace, and then down towards the river along the wide open spaces used for public events. The next one would be Bonfire Night, I guessed. The first ghosts I came across were soldiers, They were wandering across the grass, chatting amongst themselves and dressed in what looked to my untrained eyes to be medieval uniforms. I waved to them as I walked past and they waved back, looking a little surprised at my friendliness. I considered asking them some questions, but they seemed wrapped up in their group and I didn't want to disturb them. Next I spotted a man in Georgian clothing walking along deep in thought. I decided to avoid him too. He seemed pretty down, and I didn't want to add to his troubles. As I walked along, I looked for the perfect place to set my plan into motion. I found an empty open space with no one in sight, living or dead. It was time to lay a trap. I walked into the middle of the area and loudly said, Oh no, I sure hope no malicious spirits are about to hurt me here all alone with no one to help me. Then I took off and hid behind some bushes and waited. I started really feeling like an idiot after about 10 minutes as I got colder and colder on the damp ground. I saw some birds land nearby, but none of them were pigeons and all of them, after a careful inspection, were interacting with their environments in ways I knew ghost birds couldn't. I pulled out a flask of coffee and made myself more comfortable. I could at least wait until I finished the coffee then give up and try interviewing some of the ghosts I had spotted instead. Hopefully I would do a better job getting answers from them than I had done with Francis, and not annoy anyone too much. I was just finishing off the flask and feeling the pleasant buzz of caffeine when I spotted a solitary pigeon land nearby and hop about. I eyed it up cautiously, trying to decide whether this was just a normal pigeon looking for food or some kind of scout. As if by a miracle, at that moment, a small dog charged into the scene, scattering the other birds as it dashed about, yowling and generally enjoying life. The pigeon ignored it, and, more tellingly, the dog ignored the bird too, running right past it a number of times. I made up my mind. That bird was dead, and I was going to put my plan into motion. I was going to catch it. The pigeon moved off east after a few minutes and I followed from a distance. My hat pulled low over my face. It hopped and flew at random intervals, keeping a surprisingly quick pace. At several points, I had to break into a run to keep up with it as we moved towards the edge of the park. We reached the people's palace and it paused to look around, getting close to the building. I crept round to the other side of the fountain to keep out of its line of sight. I wondered if it was going to go inside. It stayed close to the wall, almost touching it, its eyes on the structure as if it was something precious or or out of reach. Maybe it was. If this bird was a lost soul, and ghosts' identities are strengthened by the memories and stories of others, then it made sense that it would be attracted to a museum dedicated to the city. After a few minutes, it looked away, ruffling its feathers and looking around, almost guiltily, I wondered again about the warning that something else was manipulating the birds. Maybe they were being lied to. Something about the people's palace called to the spirit, but it seemed reluctant to listen to that voice. We continued along the front of the park, it pausing to check its surroundings, me creeping along behind, before heading back onto city streets and north towards the barracks. There were far less places to hide now, and I was running short on ideas. If this pigeon was just going to wander, then there was no point holding back any longer. I ducked behind the public bathrooms and pulled a large Ikea bag out of my rucksack. I gripped the handles tightly, peeked round at where the pigeon stood watching a passing car, and mentally prepared myself. There was no way around this. I was going to look like an idiot. I charged the bird as silently as possible. The bag opened wide in my arms. And as it turned in response to my footsteps, I leapt. It jumped backwards, its wings flapping in fright. But my leap aimed true and I landed on my hands and knees, the bag over the bird. This was the moment of truth. I knew ghosts could be solid as I'd touched several. But I also knew they could change that. As when I'd swatted the pigeons, I hadn't felt anything at all. i had seen them all walking around solid objects rather than through them. But I also seen them floating. If the stronger the identity, the more solid the ghost, then this bird may well be able to just slip through the bag into freedom and bring an army of angry spirits down on me. I started phase two of my plan immediately. I'm sorry about this, ghost bird, I began, keeping the bag tight against the ground. If people were watching, I was oblivious, focusing all of my attention on the spirit. I watched you today. "'And I saw how you looked at the museum. "'I know that stories are something that ghosts like, "'and if you don't run, I'll talk to you all day, I promise. "'I can tell you about me, and I can talk about the city, "'and I can even talk about you if you want.' "'As I talked, the rustling in the bag got louder, "'and I began to feel the strength of the bird's wings "'beating against its prison. "'It seemed like it was working. "'The ghost seemed to realise this too, and stopped. "'Then, as I relaxed a little, "'I felt it push gently against the bag.' leaving no dent, but unable to move through. It stopped completely and I got into a crouch, preparing to swing the bag up and close, expecting it was still ready to fight back. I scooped the bag up and was met with no resistance. Surprised, I opened it a crack and met the beady eyes of the bird inside. It was sitting snug, its feet tucked under its little body. It looked at me expectantly. I looked back. Of all the outcomes... This was not one that I had foreseen. It seemed like my plan had actually worked. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Narration is by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. The theme music is by Kevin MacLeod and can be found at the Free Music Archive. Sound effects are from freesound.org. Follow us at Glasgow Ghost Stories on Twitter and Tumblr, and visit us at glasgowghoststories.wordpress.com for transcripts of every episode. The Lib's among the pigeons now, I suppose. Is it weird that I kind of hope she brings one home? Until next time, keep telling stories, and as always, thanks for listening.